that's a conversion checkpoint and Hollywood uses very specific story strategies. Welcome to High-End Client Acquisition Podcast. My name is Marian, I'm your host, and this show is here to teach you how to attract your dream clients on autopilot in 30 days or less. Each week, I bring you a guest or a strategy that can help you take your business to the next level. Don't forget, you can always get the episodes in your inbox or messenger at clientacquisitionpodcast.com. Julia, so first of all, I want to say thank you so much for joining us today here on High End Client Acquisition. I know my audience will basically, everybody's like burning to find out like your method, especially because they heard in the intro. And actually going back to when we first got connected on LinkedIn, when I saw your, I think it was your, your LinkedIn bio and the way that you blend your experience in the film industry with the sales funnels and digital marketing of, of today, it's just mm-hmm. such an inspiring way of, of looking at things. So for the audience that maybe is not familiar with your method and with who you are and how did you get started into this entire online game, do you mind to give us the backstory? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and thank you for having me. It's my I actually just heard your interview on the video summit. I was listening to it right before this. So oh. I feel I think it's great that we're connecting. So my background, I grew up in television as an actor. I've been acting since I was 10. And usually when you're acting, you have some type of side hustle. Usually you're in a restaurant, you're doing something so that you can eat, essentially. (laughs) And uh, I was really fortunate and I ended up in sales and I excelled in sales, but I really had no idea why. I I wasn't overly interested in sales, um, but my performance was strong. And as a result of my performance, I was able to negotiate my flexibility. So I was able to come and go and shoot series and just, you know, most employers don't like when you abruptly leave. So if you're making them a a significant amount of money, it helps ease that resistance. And so that was really my involvement in sales. And then it was a completely different world I was in, in the film industry, uh, or so I thought. And I was really fortunate over the years and I've been working for almost 30 years now. So accumulated a lot of experience with some of the top filmmakers. And then all of a sudden in 2013, I was shooting two different movies and I was in a sales contract in Toronto. And honestly, for my own entertainment, I I was handed, I, I was, the more I excelled, the more I was given mentorship and kind of brought up. So I was exposed to a higher level of mentorship. And eventually I was handed a lead pool that couldn't be closed. These were a bunch of leads that was paid traffic. They'd already been generated and they couldn't be closed. And they essentially handed them to me and said, do whatever you want with these. Um, And the commission structure is, you know, accordingly. And so really for my own entertainment, I started to look at the sales funnel, the way a Hollywood film is drafted. And I looked at the sales arc, the way that a story arc is drafted and all of the different conversion checkpoints that are along the way. So we know them in sales land as a funnel, but in an episode of television, that is also actually a sales arc. It's just called a story arc. So there are three acts. If you watch, you know, a season of of television, the pilot episode is actually a conversion 
diversion checkpoint. They need to move you from the pilot episode into the first episode. And then seven seasons later, they want you to be there. That's a conversion checkpoint. And Hollywood uses very specific story strategies to make sure that you continue to convert. So I looked at this and I, I designed the sales arc from the beginning. And so I looked at it the way a story arc is drafted and I started to marry the sales objectives to the story strategies. And it, that turned into a $400,000 revenue stream. And I subsequently began to consult as a conversion strategist because what I call Hollywood's conversion fix is just how does ho Hollywood is a $42 billion industry and it leverages engagement to increase conversions, which is exactly what we do in sales. We're just working with a different digital platform. So Hollywood's conversion fix is really, how do I design the perspective that is required to purchase? When the client is gonna go from point A to point B, whether it's a cold lead and we need it to be a warm lead, or it's an existing client and we need to upsell the client, Specific sales objectives, like very often when you think of story, you kind of think of, you know, once upon a time and something kind of very ambiguous and kind of indulgent. But when it comes to revenue, it's it's a business. You know, there's no ambiguity when there's millions of dollars invested in the story. It's very tactical and it's designed to make sure that you are engaged at, by a certain point, uh, that your perspective is changing as the narrative continues. So I now approach sales funnels um, with that story strategy. That's well, it started. No, that's a, that's a really inspiring story. And I love the fact that you brought that up. Um, obviously, that that's the entire theme of the episode. But I love to, to find out more. Talk to me about the the story art method. So talk like, because we have these two completely different worlds, but they actually blend together, especially in the method that you apply, working with other business owners or uh, entrepreneurs or corporations or things like that. How do you, or not, not necessarily how do you see, but how does the story art kind of method can you explain a little bit, like from a movie, let's take a movie, regardless which one you want, and just walk us through that process and then kind of mirror that into the sales funnel, just so everybody gets a sense of, of these two worlds kind of blended in the same strategy. Okay. So for example, um, every film, like regardless of, so if, if the listeners, like if you have a favorite film and if you're like me, my mother thinks I'm crazy, but I will watch films like 50 times because the first time I'm watching it the way that anybody would watch it and I'm getting the first, you know, ride through it. But I love to watch it again and again and again because I like studying the story arc and the character arc. So if you guys have a favorite film, whatever your film is, this is why it's so applicable to uh, a sales funnel is because it's not contingent on the film. The infrastructure of the film film is identical regardless of which film you're thinking. So I could be thinking of a horror film, you could be thinking of a romance, and you could be thinking these two things have absolutely nothing in common. But similar to a sales funnel, regardless of the product, the infrastructure of the narrative of that arc 
is the same. So in whatever film you're thinking of, the first 10 pages, like we'll, we'll look at uh, your blueprint, Mary, and I'm looking at your high-end client acquisition blueprint. So this is a perfect example. We've got sales land and we've got film land. So in film land, the first, the story is divided into three acts, regardless of what the film. So a film is generally between 90 to 120 minutes, between an hour and a half to two hours. And every film is divided into three acts. The first act is approximately 30 pages. The second act is approximately 60. And then the third act is approximately 30. And if it's a 90 minute film, it would be 30, 30, 30. If it's a 20, if 120, roughly 30, 60, 30. So in those three acts, you can make it really simple and say act one is the beginning, act two is the middle, and act three is the end. Then you start laying the story strategy into that act. So the first act, the beginning, is called establishing. The second act is called conflict. And the third act is called resolution. So we have the beginning of the story where we have to tell you what is going on. We've got to introduce you to the lay of the land. So in whatever film you're imagining, your favorite film, one that you've seen many, many times, if you go back and you watch it again, you'll notice that in that first 30 minutes, they're giving you a lot of information that you wouldn't necessarily realize they're giving you. They're telling you who the character are, what relationship they have to each other, and they're giving you a forecast of problems that could arise. And that's called establishing. The second act is really where shit hits the fan. <laughs> now, now problems are starting. So in your film, whatever that film is about, that is where it comes to light, right at the 30 page mark. And problems start coming. The further you go into that act, the more intense the problems become. And then the third act is the resolution. And the resolution is not always a positive. It just means that there is a conclusion happening. The situation that was in act two is being resolved. And then if you take it a little more in depth, which is what we do, we're, we're designing a product actually that will actually walk you through this so that you can model your funnel accordingly. But in the first act on page 10, there's something called the inciting incident. So this means that you've got, and Marion, you mentioned this in your, in your uh, interview, you were talking about uh, YouTube advertising and YouTube videos. Yeah. And you were telling Brad, don't bother telling them who you are yet. They don't care. You have three seconds seconds to hook them. That strategy is exactly what's utilized in Hollywood. So they have 10 pages to hook you. They know they're not going to keep you in the theater for 30 minutes if they don't hook you 10 minutes in. So that's called an inciting incident. And even though they've got the whole act to give you information, something has to happen on page 10 that alerts you that a problem could arise. So that's an inciting incident. And then in the second act, which is where the conflict is brewing, right in the middle called a midpoint, uh, there there is a, an abrupt shift. Things are going one way and they start to go a different way. So all of this to say is that with your favorite film, 
regardless of what style, what genre, it's all residing on that arc. We would call it a story arc or a narrative arc, similar to the way that a sales funnel, regardless of the product, Marion has one product, Brad has a different product, somebody else could be working in a totally different industry. But if there's a funnel, it's a story arc. It's a, it's a narrative. And the purpose is to design a perspective from the beginning to the end. So you design the perspective. The perspective is what influences the behavior. And then the behavior is what influences the revenue. So similar to a narrative in story, there are, there's the infrastructure, there's the actual design of the story, which is what we would call a funnel and film would call a story arc. And then there are story strategies that move that audience forward. And we would call those sales objectives. So if we look at it from a conversion uh, point. Hollywood has conversion points. A film has conversion points. Page 10, page 30, page 45. We have conversion points. We've got a lead magnet. We have a discovery call. We have upsells. We have uh, retargeting campaigns. These are all conversion points in our funnel. And there are story strategies that can be utilized that augment the sales objective behind those conversion points. And the five basic ones that we work with, and I'll give you the, um, for all of the listeners, we have a, we have a, it's called a Hollywood conversion fix five-step checklist. This is used as uh, almost like a triage. If you have an existing funnel, you've got paid traffic or organic traffic and your conversions are low. Obviously you don't want to redesign your funnel from scratch you want to leverage the existing leads that are in there and the ones that you've paid to bring in there. So this is like a story editor's triage and it's an easy way to check for the five story strategies that are going to increase the conversions immediately. And those are the USP, the way that the perspective of the product is designed, the protagonist, which is the relationship to the product, the antagonist, which is the pain point that the product is resolving, the subtext, which is the way that you speak to objections, because objections are what are keeping your conversions low. And if you can speak to that objection and alleviate it, your conversions go up. And and then the last one is stakes, which is uh, in increasing the level of urgency behind the purchase. So that checklist will be really helpful if you've got an existing any type of platform. As long as there's traffic and there's something that can be purchased, you can take that checklist and easily see if this was a Hollywood producer and they were about to release a film and the reviews are coming back and they're not good, this would be the five quick points that that producer would be looking at, knowing that if they fix those story strategies, the conversions are gonna go up. Awesome, and wh where can people find the checklist? Oh, I will send, uh, so the website is called operationstoryarc.com and uh, I'll make sure you have it, Marion, in case you wanna uh, yeah, link. Yeah, we'll list it in the show notes. Yeah, and that's um, that's a great way to quickly do a story edit on your campaign. Wow, that's awesome. And and you mentioned something that I want to gonna get a little more into it. You said if, the reviews are coming back so i'm assuming when they launch kind of the trailer 
of the movie because that that gets launched like what a year in advance before the movie even like you know every time like for people listening if you have a favorite movie and you wait for the next series like whatever i i take myself as an example and i'm not the perfect avatar for this because i don't really watch too many movies but let's assume fast and furious series like i watch them all but i remember every time when they launch a trailer it's like a year in advance and you're like literally like dying to see it for next uh, next summer when 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 it airs, right? So when you say the reviews are coming back and then the producer goes back into it, and if the reviews are bad, so I'm taking this into the the the, the funnel world. So meaning, let's assume I'm the online creator. I launch a product. People, the, the reviews are thinking about it is I look at the metrics maybe and see, okay, maybe I got a lot of leads, but I didn't get sales. I guess that would be kind of the the mirror into the film industry where the the producer would look at the reviews the reviews were not that good and then he would look over the story arc and then go through that or like what what's the process there Exactly. You can apply this to absolutely every stage of the funnel. So in terms of Hollywood, uh, by the time that trailer is out, <laughs> it's, uh, the film's made. So uh, when you're looking at it in film, you are doing that check every step of the way. So for example, when a film is uh, about to be developed, when a script is being circuited for financing, so somebody's got a script, they want to develop it, which means a lot of money is going to be invested. Those first 10 pages are what's determining whether it's being read. So this principle of auditing work and making sure that it's converting as high as it possibly can, that applies in film every stage of the way. Before the cameras ever roll, they are fine finessing and finessing that script to make sure that it's as tight as it can be in terms of character development, plot development. Then there's the way that different, well, you know, we do, when we're working here, we talk about casting the funnel. So in Hollywood, when you're cast, an actor is cast, it means they're hiring you to play a role. So when we're working with funnels, we're talking about casting because every element element of your funnel has to be cast so that it is moving your client from point A to point B. So to answer your question about when are the reviews coming in, in sales land, the reviews are coming in at every stage. So in your example, Marion, you talk in the blueprint about having three different videos on YouTube because you want to assess which one is converting. So if you if the numbers are coming in and these numbers just happen to be about which view which videos are attracting the clients, you will get the initial numbers in, you now have the data and now you want to do a story audit using Hollywood's conversion fix to determine why is the one that is outperforming the others outperforming them. What is it about that content that is working so well? Because the data that you've just paid to receive is going to be very telling in how you subsequently structure the rest of the funnel. So if your data is not for a video, if your data is for the conversions between your 
lead magnet and your lowest tier product you know you're you're getting the leads they're converting on the magnet but they are not purchasing mm -hmm. there's the data there's the story that we're looking at so the perspective that is converting them on the lead magnet is not carrying through to the purchase there's a i always say if there's a sales problem there's a story problem and the story problem has to do with the perspective that is required to purchase. So the perspective that's required to download something for free is not the perspective that is required to purchase. There's a contradiction between what is motivating the behavior to download and what is motivating the behavior to purchase. And so we then go back and we look at, okay, what is the perspective that is not working? Clearly there is, like we work a lot with either increasing the volume of the conversions or increasing the value of the conversion. And the value of the conversion is always determined by the perception of value. So when somebody perceives something to be of a certain value, it motivates what they are and are not willing to do. If there's a sales problem, if the conversions are low, it is because the perception of value is not there. And therefore we have to design that perspective prior to them arriving at the point that we expect them to convert. So this data can be analyzed at any stage. It can be a low performing lead magnet. It can be a low performing video. It can be like we're working at the moment with, we work a lot with business coaches because we work with digital products. And uh, this was a one-on-one -on -one service. And the irony is that when I first started to work with it, it was completely underpriced. The perception of value was very understated. So before we worked on increasing the conversions, we wanted to increase the value of the conversions so that there was not X amount of dollars lost uh, by jumping to the conversion increase. And so we started analyzing where is this perception being shaped? How can we adjust those five key points, the protagonist, the antagonist, the stakes, the urgency, and the USP itself? And we took it from initially, I think it was one $25,000 product and it went to 60. And so the product was already there. There was, there was nothing that had to be done uh, to, to the product itself, but the way that something is positioned is, is a very big difference in terms of the way that its value is being perceived. So you can do this at, at any stage of the funnel, regardless of whether you're looking at a video, whether you're looking at a lead magnet, you're going to run a Facebook ad, um, you've got a huge signature course, you know, and, and this is going to be selling for X amount of dollars. The ad that's going to run to pool traffic into the signature course, they're all just conversion checkpoints. There is a perspective that is required to move that viewer from point A to point B. And a, a sales funnel is just a bunch of different conversion checkpoints that are structured in a narrative, but each one is a self-standing entity. Got it. No, that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense because you you look at and again we can 
talk about the platforms itself, but I guess what I get from your strategy is like this can actually be applied on any platform, regardless if it's a Facebook live video, regardless if it's a Facebook ad, if it's an Instagram live, like how you start the video, how you keep the viewer there, how you end the video, if it's, you know, pitching a discovery call or whatever it is. And then at the same time, when they land on the page, what happens then you almost start all over again at a different stage, of course, because you got the know, like, and trust uh, model. So I love that. What I like to, to get into now, because you do talk a lot about the story strategy behind it. So I'd like to know, how do you apply the story with your own clients? Like for example, the way that I, and of course it all depends like which platform, my favorite one is to start the conversation on YouTube when somebody's actively searching for something Mm -hmm. and then solve a problem and then tell a story like kind of blended that way. But maybe the way that you say it, it may start with a story. So I want to focus a little bit there. How how do you structure the story when you start working with somebody? So when we say, and this is actually like, it's so helpful for me to be, I, we've done a, a lot of interviews recently and it's really helpful to get better and better at communicating so that it's as clear as possible. Um, story is a word that has a connotation that implies a fictitious circumstance uh, that is relayed in a narrative, which is true. That That is the way that we know story to be. When And that's why I'm always speaking conversion, because for me, story is about shaping perspective. And so when we're talking about sales, when we're talking about a sales funnel, a digital sales platform, all we're talking about when we say story is which perception do we want to create and on what platform are we creating this perception? That's really what I mean by story because conversion means to go from point A to point B. So we know that they're gonna start at one point and they are gonna land at another point, which is exactly how a story arc is created, beginning, middle, end. So in sales, we know that they've got to go from point A to point B. When this is applied to a funnel, what this means is that you are taking that point A to point B and you are applying it to whichever stage of the funnel you are working within at that time. So to give you your example, Marion, with a YouTube video, that video is a self-standing story arc. That That's the entirety of the video. It's got to start in one place and it's got to land in the other. So you actually broke it down really well with Brad's interview. You were talking about the narrative. That's the key thing to remember is that everybody is already doing this. They just don't realize how similar to a Hollywood producer they actually are. Because if they're designing a sales funnel, they are producing a narrative already. And so when you were breaking down how to build a YouTube video, you were actually breaking down a story arc. You were telling him act one needs to be the hook. You have three seconds to get their attention. So you were talking about act one, 
We've got to set them up very quickly so that they're hooked into the story. Then you talked about act two. And in the YouTube video, you were talking about using case studies, uh, being mindful that we should be keeping their attention by zooming in, zooming out, making some change to the framing so that they were, they were kept in that zone. And then act three was the CTA. So you actually walked him through the three act structure of your YouTube video, which is what I would call a story arc. And we would call a sales arc. Inside that three act structure, you had very specific sales objectives that you wanted to accomplish and you were describing them to him. So Hollywood's conversion fix is just a marriage between story strategy from arguably the masters of story in terms of leveraging engagement to produce revenue and sales objectives, which is what we are already doing. We just want to be better at converting. So you walked him through a story arc. You literally gave an example of act one, act two, act three, the same way that a producer would be looking at it if that was a film. They'd be saying, you have three seconds to get their attention. If you do not have them at three seconds, you're losing them anyway. So only give them information that is going to be of maximum interest or they will never be there for the rest of the story. And so you were making story edits naturally. You were just saying, if I am meeting you for the first time, I do not care who you are. I want to know what you can do for me. That's what's going to hook me in, in the first act. And then act two had a different strategy. Now we've got their attention. Now they're invested. So we can be a little more indulgent with how we are positioning information. And then act three, we have a resolution in mind. We want them to convert. They have to land on a conversion. So act two is going to inform by the time they land, are they landing where we need them to land? And if they don't land there, we have a story problem in act two. So the sales objectives that are shaping the content of that story arc are sales objectives that we know like the back of our hand. We know that the offer has to be positioned so that the perspective of the offer is that this is valuable to me. What is going to inform that perspective? Where is this perception of value coming from? Is it being informed by where they are coming from before we meet them? Are we going to create that perception upon arrival? What are the different characters that we can cast that are going to create that perception of value? And you were giving him some of those. You were talking about case studies. You were talking about uh, testimonials. Those are, I would call those characters. Like in film, those would be characters that we'd be casting. You would have a villain, you would have a protagonist. And so you're marrying sales objectives inside a story arc so that the perception that you want them to acquire is created in that three minutes or seven minutes or nine minutes. So what this looks like when when I'm working on it, for, exa for example, just in a, like the, the simplest of ways with, with the five strategies is when we are working with, so if I, if I had a seven minute video, it's gonna be a YouTube video. I, I have the three acts set up. I know that you know the first two minutes are the first act, the, the second three minutes are gonna be the second act, and then the last two minutes are gonna be the third act. I know they're coming to me as 
arguably a warm lead in that in that example because they have a problem and they are looking for a solution. They're not blatantly cold. So I know that that's the relationship coming into the story. That's point A. And by point B, I want them purchasing. So that's the narrative that I know that I'm working with. They're at point A when I meet them and they're at, they need to land at point B. So now I've got them for seven minutes and I'm actually shaping a story arc so that they go from warm, they're somewhat interested, they've hit play, and I know that I've got seven minutes to shape that perspective so that they land on where I want them to land. So that's the narrative. That's the actual arc of the story. It's just a, a three-act structure that is designed to fit that particular digital platform, which in this case is a YouTube video. It could just as easily be a lead magnet. It could be a Facebook ad. And now, now that I've got them there, how do I marry the story strategy with the sales objective. So the five primary sales objectives that we're working with, which you guys will find in the checklist. This is why the checklist is so effective because those are your principal sales objectives. Those are always going to be the things that you have in mind that are influencing your conversions. So the first one is the USP. I think of USP as the unique selling perspective. We, you can say positioning or there's a, a ton of different words for it. I always think perspective because there is a perspective that is compatible with purchasing. It is a way of seeing you and your product that is in their mind, they make the connection. So it goes perspective, behavior, revenue. So we're all motivated by our perspective. We don't do anything unless we have a perspective that is in line with that behavior. So if I buy something, it's because I feel that it is in my best interest to purchase it. If I don't purchase it, it's because my perspective is dictating that it is not valuable to me. So we know already there is a perspective that we have to design that's going to be compatible with purchasing it. Just like when you're watching a film, there is a character that is designed and they have a particular perspective. They have a way of seeing things that is designed into that character. And the audience gets on board with that perspective. That's why they go for that ride for 90 minutes. They're so invested in that character because that character's perspective mirrors their perspective. We're not attracted to things that we don't identify with. So that's how Hollywood does it, is they know that the, the perspective of the character has to mirror the perspective of the audience in order to have the audience attached to that product. So in sales, when we have a USP, we're designing a perspective that is going to be attached to the purchase of our service. Uh, and the way that we work with that is we always attach the product to the ego of the customer. So hmm. the ego is uh, an engine in, inside us. It's a part of our humanity and it drives our behavior. Whenever you're looking for, I don't know if you saw, heard my interview with Brad, um, Marion, but when in doubt, just look for fear. It's a visceral reaction that we have and we're highly motivated by it. We do things instinctively um, driven by it. And the, the most powerful way to tap into the ego is looking for the fear that is attached 
to that service. And if your service can alleviate, so for example, if it's a dating service, the ego that is attached to that service is the fear of rejection, the fear of being alone, the fear of being unattractive. It's a little engine an egoic engine and you're looking for where does my service address an ego driven need in the customer when in doubt look for fear that's usually the telltale way of finding where that is so that's the the selling proposition is how do we design a perspective uh, that is going to be compatible with purchasing how do i position the value of my product and attach it to an ego-driven need. The second one is the protagonist. So that's a story strategy. The sales objective behind a protagonist is creating a relationship between the client and the product. And this is where we work a lot with uh, referral lead generations. This is how to get your cost per lead down. Similar to the way that like you will refer your friend to see a film and you don't have an affiliate agreement with the production company, right? You just naturally talk about it because you have a relationship to it. So you can hone a protagonist character between your service and your client so much so that the referrals are organic. They're natural. They don't feel as though they're referring a product. They're talking about a relationship that they have built with the product. And so that's the way that film will, you know, that's called word of mouth in in film is, is that's why you'll see, you know, opening weekend is the first time that the film is exposed to the public. And then based on the word of mouth, subsequently, it's not so much the ad campaign, it's the word of mouth. And that's entirely contingent on the relationship that the audience has with the product. So that's the sales objective uh, that's tied to the protagonist. Um, the antagonist is about pain. So just like every film has a villain that we are in opposition to, and that villain is designed to reflect what the audience fears. Hmm. So the audience is very attached to the protagonist because the protagonist is in opposition to the antagonist. And so our service is designed to be a solution to a pain point that the client has. We want to dramatize that pain point so that it's actually a character that you are alleviating. So for example, Marion, if you are an expert at client acquisition, your antagonist, and you'd probably want to drill down and make it really personal to the audience. And you know, that that's a whole, we do that all the time. That's where it gets really fun is when you've got a campaign, you can make it really personal to you. But the bare bones of the antagonist in that is there's a huge ad spend that your clients are bleeding if the conversions are not happening. So you are opposing that antagonist. The pain point, the antagonist is losing the ad spent, this money that is going down the drain. I have to recover it. And the antagonist in your positioning is let's stop bleeding money to ads that are not converting. You know, let me shape a funnel for you that is actually going to deliver net positive. So that would be the antagonist. Mm. Subtext, this one's really fun. So subtext, subtext 
has to do from a sales perspective, it's twofold. We often talk about speaking to the objection. So when you're crafting messaging, um, when you're really good at creating your messaging, you already know what the client is going to object to. And so you want to position your messaging so that it's speaking to the objection. Where it gets really fun with subtext is that often what the client is resisting, they will never come out and say. It's subtextual. So as opposed to text, which is what we're saying, subtext is what we're thinking. And if you can identify what the client is thinking, then your messaging becomes subtext. And subtext is retained because the client has to author the text. So for example, Mary, if I say something like, you know, I have just about had it. I think I'm going to lose my, right? I don't say it, but you hear it and it becomes your thought. It was you that authored that. Even though I was thinking it because I didn't say it, you had to fill it in and subsequently it becomes yours. So subtext is a way of not only eliminating objections, but also giving the client authorship of the process. Because from a sales perspective, nobody likes to be sold to. I want to be the one that decides what I buy and what I don't buy. And so that's the big elephant in the room with sales that I always love is sales is innately self-serving, right? Whenever somebody is pitching me, if I strip it all away, I have money, they want the money. That's the basic storyline there, right? It's self-serving. And I'm immediately opposed to that. I do not want to give this person what they are looking for. So how do I go from this self-serving elephant in the room that this person is essentially trying to convince me to give me their money? And I have to land on, I really like this person. I really want to pay them. I think that what I'm giving them is the least that I can do for what they are giving to me. Not only do I want to pay them, but I want to continue to work with them down the line. That's a huge transition to go through. And the big power shift that has to happen is it has to go from the client as the target to the client as the author. The client needs to be in a leadership position or have the perception that they are in a leadership position by the time they land. And so subtext is great for that, but you have to understand what is the thought behind the behavior. And then the last object of the last uh, story strategy is stakes. And that's one that is um, usually the last one. And that's about creating urgency. So we know that, of course, urgency to purchase is is uh, an effective sales tool. If you give somebody an endless amount of time to make a decision, they will take an endless amount of time to make a decision. So, of course, we want urgency because that's what's going to increase the conversion. But when we're working with the story strategy, we're actually designing the framework under which that urgency is created. So there's an external urgency and then there's an internal 
urgency. An external urgency would be, it's going to cost $100 today, but if you wait three days, it's going to cost 200. That's a way of externally creating a sense of urgency. It's more effective to create the urgency internally. And the way to do that is to attach the urgency to the pain point that your problem, that your offer is solving. Because then the urgency, for one thing, is visceral and it's self-imposed. It's not being imposed on them by a third party. Everybody does what they want to do when they want to do it. So if you can create an urgency, really, it's you designing it. But in their experience of it, they are the ones that are coming to the conclusion, it is urgent that I resolve this problem now. And then when there's an external incentive, like, you know, yes, you absolutely need to resolve this problem. If you do it now, it's going to cost this much. If you do it now, it's going to cost that much. Whatever you want, either way is fine. Whatever you feel is most logical. However, what's deciding what's deciding the real urgency is the pain that the, yeah, the product is alleviating. Yeah. So all of that to say is that, you know, each story strategy is specifically tied to a sales objective. It's not ambiguous. You know, it's it, even though Hollywood appears to be a completely different industry than our sales funnel, it's a sales arc. There are specific conversion checkpoints just like we have. And there are specific story strategies that are utilized to move the audience from one to the other. So that's what we, and honestly, not only is it the most effective way I've ever worked, but it's also more enjoyable for me. I find it way, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about sales funnels. From a revenue standpoint, they're phenomenal. But if it's just about the infrastructure, it can get a little tedious. If you can bring, for me, I just find it far more interesting to look at these different checkpoints as story challenges that can be adjusted so that the revenue increases accordingly. No, I love it. And I and thank you for going so like in depth with explaining every step of the way. And I'm sure like like we said, we'll list this what is it a five step checklist? Yeah. It's a Hollywood yeah. conversion fix five step checklist. We'll make sure to list it in the show notes, of course. But I hope everybody was following along and, and then if not, you gotta go back and keep playing this episode a couple of times because you share some really powerful stuff in there and, and the fact that you blend one step into another, it's super, super important. So Julia, for people that, and again, we'll list the entire checklist. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes, but for people that may want to either reach out to you or maybe watch a training on this, where do you recommend people to go? So I'm actually working on that now. Um, I still work in the film industry, so I split my time between film and uh, consulting. Oh, wow. Um, nice. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm shooting at the moment, but uh, I'm also working on a project. So we have one of our, I've consulted privately for about six years and our first digital product is coming out at the beginning of next year, which nice. I think will time for when this is released. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I, I do free consults, um, Just it's just contingent on my availability, but I'm always happy to get on a conversion consult and you can book those uh, just by emailing me, julia at operationstoryarc.com. The, there's also 
also when you when you download the checklist, um, there'll be a Calendly link. You can book those yourself. The first product that we're releasing is actually a case study training that shows how I built in 2013 the first $400,000 revenue stream using these five four, five story strategies and it's being designed now and i think it's 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 a very it's it's i don't know what the price point is but it will be like less than $30 like it's very accessible and the way that that is utilized is so helpful because it shows you inside a completely unrelated industry nothing to do with hollywood uh it's renewable energy that was the industry i was in at the time so it shows you completely outside of Hollywood's product, how are these five strategies applied to produce what turned out to be a six-figure revenue stream? And that was within an existing sales funnel with no additional ad spend. Uh, and those leads were considered dead. They could not be closed. So it shows you each step of the way. The checklist is great um, in terms of looking at your existing funnel, but this will be a way for you to see from scratch what did it look like to build a product with those five strategies in mind? And of course, those principles are, are something that you can utilize within an existing funnel. If you're just you know about to launch something totally new, you can look at your product. You can look at the principle behind the protagonist, the principle behind the USP. Is there something I can adjust in the antagonist that's going to uh, heighten the level of pain, which of course heightens the level of value in solving the pain. So that will come out, I believe in January. I don't work very frequently one-on-one -on -one only because of uh, the time factor, um, which is why I wanted to release something that could be uh, accessible quickly and uh, and you know at a, at a price point that was very easy for anybody to take. Uh, and then we'll have another product coming out later that year that actually looks from a much bigger picture with an existing funnel, uh, an ad campaign that's already running, but the case study will be something that's probably available by the time this comes out. Awesome, and and of course, because this interview is most likely going out mid to end uh, of January, so we'll we'll list the other product in the show notes below. So again, Julia, thank you so much for coming on the show today. If it's one thing that you want to leave the audience with, what would that be? Uh, just to keep it very simple, to bear in mind that you are more similar to a Hollywood producer than you think. Marion's the perfect example. He didn't realize he was breaking down 3x structure for Brad, but that's what he was doing. And uh, that the uh, although it's a $42 billion industry leveraging engagement uh, to produce conversions, what they are doing is they are designing perspective. And so when you marry sales objectives to story strategy, you are just designing the perspective that is required to purchase. Love it. Again, thank you so much for sharing all the, the golden nuggets with us today. And we'll probably um, do another episode in the future after your product is released next year. Great. Thank you, Julia. Take care. Thank you. Hey, podcast listeners. I want you to know that I really appreciate your attention and I don't take it lightly. That's why each month we pick a lucky winner and we give away books, mentorship, software, courses, iPads, and other cool stuff. The way to enter is go to clientacquisitionpodcast.com and sign up. You'll get all the details there. Talk to you guys soon. Take care.